I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 190. Woo! Getting close to 200, girl. Would have never in a million years, you know, guessed. <laughs> Thanks. Alrighty. Jumping on in. Hey, beautiful ladies. First, want to thank you for filling my days with your stories and your laughs. I walk around all day delivering mail. I can tell you with 100% certainty that I get stares because y'all crack me up. Laughing along with your podcast makes my day better, especially on the really hot, miserable days or the incredibly cold and snow-filled ones. To be honest, I prefer the snowy ones. Also, where is Tiffany? Miss that woman. Oh my God, Tiffany's going to die. Her nipples are hard hearing that. She literally probably went, I'm right here. It's me. I'm here. (laughs) This event happened March 2009, just a few months before I would graduate high school. A little backstory here. My next door neighbor at the time, Rich, was sort of shitty. The way our houses were set up meant my bedroom was basically in his backyard. When he smoked cigars, the smell would waft right into my bedroom. He would also tie his dogs up in the back And she would just bark and bark and bark because all she wanted was love, attention, and probably to be walked. I wanted to steal her from him. I did enjoy that he had a beautiful voice and would play the piano and sing frequently in the summer months right around dusk. I would spend some evenings reading books while listening to him. So on this day in 2009, I wake up around 6 a.m. to what I think is his backyard floodlight freaking out. I pull the covers over my head, but because I'm mother's daughter, I'm awake now and there's no hope for me. I throw the covers off my head, huffing in annoyance as the light continues to flash. That's when I realize Rich doesn't have floodlights in his backyard. I immediately kneel on my bed, which was positioned directly underneath my window, and peer out. That's when I saw the yellow tape and people dressed in white jumpsuits taking pictures. I stumble off my bed and run to my mother, who's already peeping out of the front curtain. He was stabbed, is the first thing she says to me. Apparently, police had already been over to question her. They had found blood on our doorknob. The story goes like this. Rich met a guy named Danny at a local gay club. They hit it off, and they decided to take it back to Rich's place. Whatever happened... After that, wasn't too clear, but I chalk it up to some internalized homophobia and probably racism as well. Rich was a black man. The man took a kitchen knife and stabbed Rich five times, who was later found naked on the floor of his kitchen by his sister who lived with him. She heard his cries for help. Just one block away, Danny was caught in pants and no shirt, trying to gain access to a woman's home. The police followed the trail of bloody doorknobs he left behind in his attempt to hide from the cops. He ended up knocking on the wrong person's door, telling them he had been in a car accident and he needed to use their phone. Apparently, they said okay, made him wait, and called the police. I think the dude waited a few minutes before realizing it wasn't his lucky day. Rich survived that night. Unfortunately, though, he died in his sleep in 2018. Hopefully, my sinister sightings isn't too lame. Wait, that means that Danny tried to get into their door. Yeah. Holy furk. That is so fucking scary and so sad. So he went to jail. Well, how long did he get? Is he out? I wonder if he's out. I don't know. Because you know attempted murder sometimes is like a week in prison. I know. And I'm like, hello, it's because the person survived. Yeah. it's And it's not because they didn't want to kill them. It's because they sucked at their job. Yeah. Like they shouldn't get less time because they couldn't complete it. Right. Man, that is something to wake up to. Sometimes I'm like that. Like if you wake me up, I'm up. But like one out of ten times. The other times, I can fucking go back to sleep. I was going to say, you normally go right back to sleep. 
Okay, the next one. Hey y'all, it's Joyce from Texas again. My handle is Joe Ray for game nights and watch parties. I already wrote in about the haunted staircase in my childhood home and thought I'd share some other things I experienced growing up in a small town in North Georgia. When I was a freshman in high school, so 1995-1996, I started having a reoccurring nightmare. In the dream, I would be at the mall with my mother just shopping and I would be approached by a lady. I referred to her as the businesswoman because she always wore a pantsuit and carried a briefcase. Her hair was in a perfect bun and her makeup was flawless. She would come up to me, put her briefcase down, cover her ears with her hands, get right in my face and scream. No one else could see or hear her but me. There's a famous painting by Edvard Munch called The Scream that reminds me of my dream. I would have that nightmare at least once, usually twice a week for a four to six week period of time. My mom on several occasions came into my room to shake me awake because I would be yelling in my sleep. One day at school, I got to my U.S. government class early. The teacher was also the psychology teacher. Uh, ours too. One of them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they were still finishing up class. I kind of hung out in the back waiting on them to finish. She was showing clips from the movie Three Men and a Baby. In that movie, you can see a ghost kid in one of the scenes and when the camera pans back, you see a rifle where the kid was. I'm pretty sure in the later years, this was proven to be a prank. But for a while, people really believed it. Anyway, she ended class and I went in and took a seat. While she was setting up for government class, I noticed a book on her desk called the Dream Interpretation Dictionary. I waited until class was over before I went to her desk and asked her about it. She said she always found dreams fascinating. So I decided to tell her about my reoccurring nightmare because maybe she could help me understand what it meant. She told me she wasn't sure that she could help me understand what it meant and that it was something I needed to figure out on my own, but she did know how to make me stop having it. She pointed to the watch on my wrist and asked if I wore that when I slept. I said no, and she told me to start doing it. And every time you see this woman, think of your watch and feel your watch on your wrist. So starting that night, I would wear my watch to bed. Never had that dream again, and I still don't know what it meant. Fast forward a few years, and I'm now a senior in high school, so it's 1999. I only needed two classes to graduate, so I literally only have to be at school for the first two periods. Two of my best friends that live in my neighborhood also get to leave school early, but they have four classes to get through first. Now, the school is half an hour from our neighborhood, so we decided to take turns driving to save on gas money, and it gave us half an hour to hang out, listen to music on the way home. It did mean that after my school day was over, I had almost two hours to wait on them. So I usually just went to the library and did homework, studied, or just read. I love to read. One day, I didn't have any homework, didn't want to study, so I was looking at the books in the library and came across the Dream Interpretation Dictionary that my teacher had had. So I borrowed that one and a couple of others about dreams and started researching and studying. I found it all very interesting. A couple of weeks later, I was in the library going through a dream journal that I had started keeping and seeing if I could find some insight using the books for my dreams. All of a sudden, this girl sat down next to me and asked if I could tell her what her dream meant. Now, I know this girl. I've had classes with her for the past 10 years, but we're not friends. We don't hang out in the same circle, and it kind of startled me that she even spoke to me. 
but she must have seen the titles of the books I had around me and obviously had a dream that was bothering her, so I told her I could try. She told me the dream, and it was very simple and straightforward. I don't really remember it, but she was super impressed with my skills. The next day, she came back with a couple of guys. They wanted their dreams interpreted. So I said, sure, and again, the dreams were so mundane and straightforward, it felt weird that they couldn't figure it out for themselves. That's probably a little harsh because I had been immersed in the psychology of dreams for the past few weeks. The next day, there was a group of about 15 people waiting for me in the library. It was enough of a crowd that the librarian came over to see what was going on. When she found out, she told me that I needed to stop it. I was doing the devil's work and she wasn't going to have it in her library. (coughs) I told her, it's just psychology. There's nothing evil about it. And she told me to get out. A couple of kids stayed and argued with her, but I hightailed it out of there. I was embarrassed and a little shocked because up until that point, I had really liked that librarian. A couple of students walked with me as I headed to my locker, saying that they had really hoped I would be able to interpret a dream for them. I told them to write it down, slip it in my locker, and I would get back to them. The next day, I had 40 envelopes in my locker. All of them had dreams written on paper and $5 bills. Whoever spread the word must have added a price. Easiest $200 I ever made. Damn! After that, people would occasionally slip dreams into my locker, but then I started getting requests for spells. I would give them their money back and tell them I wasn't a witch. I didn't do magic. I was just using psychology. It was definitely my most interesting year of school ever, and it was a good year until April. April 20th, 1999, six weeks before I would graduate high school, the Columbine Massacre happened. It was a school shooting when things like that didn't happen. Two students at a high school in Colorado shot and killed 12 other students and one teacher before dying by suicide. After that, I hated being in the school building. A group of three or four freshman boys started wearing long black trench coats and pretended like they had weapons. They irritated everyone, even the teachers who tried but could never catch them breaking any rules. They startled me at my locker one morning. One of them called me a witch and another said, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. I remember tilting my head and staring at them like a confused puppy. I was unable to wrap my head around what was happening. It felt surreal to me. And then suddenly a battle cry rang out from down the hall. They were tackled to the ground by almost the entire varsity wrestling team who had just come in after a morning run to see them threaten me. One of the guys on the team that I knew told me later that they had all just been waiting for a reason to teach those punks a lesson. The coaches took their time breaking up the fight. I don't know what happened, if anyone was punished or what. Nobody ever asked me my version of events, and I didn't volunteer it. I never saw those boys again. I graduated a few weeks later and have not set foot on that campus since. Sorry that was so long, but I hope y'all found it interesting at least. I have more to say about dreams and learning lucid dreaming, so I'll write in again. Creep it real, Joe. Well, just going to piggyback on what Joe said is... Yes, we have watch parties that are free for everyone every Sunday night. And you don't have to be in the Patreon or anything to join. I post a link on Instagram every Sunday. Also, for Patreon, we do have game nights. So we do that on Discord. So if you want to, go to www.patreon.com forward slash the APC podcast. 
I love that everyone's like, you're a witch. You're doing the devil's work. You're doing this. And you're just like, it's psychology. Yeah, but you still have some air quotes religion looking at you, Scientology, that thinks that psychology is like not real, you know? Right, yeah. And don't you hate that when you like a teacher or whatever and then something happens and you're like, man, I liked you. Why did you have to ruin it? Mm-hmm. What did they say? Don't meet your idols or whatever. Yeah. All right. The next one. Hello, ladies. My name's Kira. You can use my real name. Pronouns are she, her. Like a lot of your listeners, I recently stumbled upon your podcast and have been binging it. It's perfect to listen to while I work on my art. I really appreciate your point of views and your cute Southern accents. I grew up in Tampa. We all sound like we're from Pittsburgh. I'm a native Floridian who went to school in Rawlings College in Winter Park, Florida, right outside of Orlando. I chose that college partly because I loved rowing on my high school crew team back in Tampa and wanted to continue rowing at the collegiate level. Practice started early in the morning before class and before the sun was up. The boathouse is about a mile and change from the school next to a beautiful park called Craft Azalea Garden. Rowers would either run, bike, or carpool to practice. This story happened about 1998-ish when people did not carry cell phones with them everywhere. It was Halloween morning, my favorite holiday. The car I was riding in with three or four other rowers had just pulled up to the boathouse when one of the morning joggers from the neighborhood came up to us and said, someone call 911, someone just killed themselves in the park. We ran to get our coach and then a couple of us went over to the park to see if extra hands were needed. There were a group of us standing around a really nice Mercedes. The driver's side window had been busted open so they could unlock the door and pull the victim out. He was lying on the ground on his back, and at first glance, it just looked like he had just done a big workout and was resting, except he was very pale, almost gray, and his lips were blue. I was surprised that he was our age. Music was still playing loudly on the car radio. A hose used for a pool vacuum was taped from the car's exhaust to the back window. The way the window was taped up so meticulously was really sad. I pictured him in his garage, carefully planning his suicide. He had parked the car facing the lake so he could watch the sunrise as he died. Someone tried to do CPR on him, but he was already gone. On a side note, my grandparents had a bathroom in their garage, so we didn't track our wet feet in the house when we were swimming in the pool and had to go. Hanging on the back of the door of that bathroom was the exact same pool hose, different color, and it always creeped me out as a kid. I don't know why. I'm not even afraid of snakes, but I would always pee as fast as I could and try not to look at it. I'd forgotten about those stupid hoses until I saw this one. Fast forward maybe five years, and I was catching up with a boatmate of mine that had been there that Halloween morning. I don't know how she would feel about me using her real name, so let's call her Samantha. She told me a crazy story. She'd recently been at a Halloween house party. She noticed a young lady sitting in the kitchen, not really engaging with the rest of the party. Samantha's a very sweet person, so she sat down at the table to talk to her. The woman explained that Halloween was a difficult time for her because it was the anniversary of when her brother died by suicide. Samantha was shocked. It turned out she was talking to the sister of the young man we pulled from the car. Samantha told her about how we tried to save him. In the end, she thanked Samantha, said it really helped her to know that so many people cared about her brother and that he ultimately wasn't alone when he died. I have other stories about college students dying when I was getting my undergraduate as well as my creepy-ass dorm room, but I'll save that for another time. I hope you all keep bringing the stories, Kira. Oh my gosh. I'm going to skip to this part 
but that hose and you being scared of it and like trying to pee real fast, not look at it. I do the same stuff. Like, I don't know. I'll do it and be like, don't look this way or what? Because, you know, you can make like faces in the wood or whatever. And I'll be like, God, that looks creepy as fuck. Don't look over there. Don't look over there. Pee and turn off the light and go. It's like, what the hell? But I do that still. Because, you know, you were talking about as a kid. No, I'm 37 and still have that mindset. I'm really glad that his sister got some more closure. That was a hard one. Yeah, that was very sad. The next one is Ghost Hand and a Paranoid Puppy. Hey, ladies, I'd like to remain anonymous because I'm still an anxious weirdo, but I actually wrote you guys a while back about my mom literally reading my mind and my cousins and I testing out a ghost road myth. Anywho, I have another sinister sightings to share. I'm a tattoo artist based in Ohio, and recently I've acquired a genuine voodoo doll from New Orleans a client gifted me. My regular clients know that I'm into the ooky kooky and spooky, so I was stoked to receive this gift. I also regularly collect oddities like obscure paintings, artwork, photos of strangers from thrift stores or estate sales, various ethically sourced animal skulls, pelts, all the weird and gross things. So around the same time I was gifted the voodoo doll, my sister found a painting that she thought I would enjoy by an artist named Margaret Kane. I believe the painting is called Little Kiss. It depicts a little girl with huge eyes and a little boy giving her a kiss on the cheek. It does have a creepy look to it, but I didn't think much of it. A little after I got both the doll and the painting in my possession, my normally very fearless, blissfully unaware puppy began to act weird around bedtime. She would look up at the ceiling, tilt her head, and concentrate on whatever it was she was looking at. At first, I assumed it was a fly or a small bug that she was seeing. She loves to try to catch bugs, so that's what made the most sense. But then a few nights later, she would stare at the ceiling follow whatever she was seeing, and would get so scared that she would jump off the bed and absolutely refuse to get back up there, even with me coaxing her and bribing her. She's normally a very needy and very affectionate dog, so her refusing an opportunity to cuddle is out of character. In addition, her refusing to get back on the bed, she would hide in the corner of the room closest to my side of the bed. My boyfriend would say, oh, it's nothing, and she's probably just doing weird puppy stuff anytime I told him about it, which is fair. She do be dumb, honestly. But my very skeptical boyfriend came home from his third shift job one night, and I woke up to him getting into bed and trying his hardest to get my puppy in the bed so he could snuggle with her, and she was not about to do it. I was half asleep and woke up just to go, see, I told you I'm not crazy. But he shrugged it off and said maybe she's following a weird shadow from something. Which I've checked out. There are no shadow cast that aren't normally cast. I haven't rearranged the furniture or anything. Nothing. It's different. So as I'm writing you guys this email, I've just had a weird experience that made me fear fart. No doubt. My boyfriend is currently asleep on my chest. His dog is laying with him and my puppy is on the floor, of course. I was playing Candy Crush and listening to the podcast with headphones in, with one leg out of my blanket, just vibing while everyone sleeps. And I felt a hand caress my knee. I went to go hold it, assuming my boyfriend had moved his hand to my knee and my hand just met with my own knee. Nothing was there. Nothing. 
I even used the light from my phone to see if maybe the puppy woke up and brushed against me with her nose, but she was zonked out where she had been the whole time. No blankets were on that side of my body that could have shifted since I had my leg hanging out. I literally can't think of anything it could have been. And my first thought was, gotta tell Donna and Carrie, duh. This has all been happening in the span of about three weeks, and I'm not sure how to handle it. I'll let you guys know if anything else happens. Keep up the great work. You guys are seriously the best part of my week and my favorite podcast to unwind to after a long day's work. Creep it real and maybe just don't take in any creepy looking items people try to give you. I'm so glad that we were the first things you thought of, by the by. You're so conceited. No, I just said I'm glad we were. I didn't say (laughs) of course we were. That would be conceited. True, 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 true. Well, Tally for Carrie. But what I want to know is what kind of tattoos do you do? Because, you know, I do watch Ink Master. (laughs) Oh, Lord. So she thinks she's an expert. (laughs) Just like I think I can decorate cookies because I watch cookie videos. So I'm hoping that you give us an update. Like, what if you moved one of the items out of the house and see if the dog started acting differently? Smart. Okay, the next one. This one's called Say My Name, Say My Name. And then they say, you acting kind of shady, ain't calling me baby, better say my name. It's Cheyenne, and that was my way of saying you could say my name. It's Cheyenne B. from MT, to clarify. I just want to let you guys know how much I enjoy your podcast. You remind me so much of myself and my friends. It's always easy and enjoyable listening to you. I have many bizarre and spooky stories I've wanted to write in for so long, but it seemed overwhelming to figure out where to start and how to choose what to send, and I'm a rambler. Well, I was listening to a Sinister Sightings, and two things caught my ear. Donna was talking about how horrifying and painful childbirths seem to be, and both of you said how kids can be fucking creepy. First of all, oh dear Donna, childbirth doesn't have to be painful. I've never felt more peace and like a badass bitch in full feminine glory than when I gave childbirth. I was high on adrenaline and drunk on the power that women give life. Anywho, second, I thought kids are fucking creepy. What a great place to start. So here's an interesting story about my family's origins and some creepy things about my children. Now, everyone will always apologize for how long their stories are, and I think that wasn't really that long. Hopefully, everyone feels the same for mine. But just in case, here's my apology ahead of time. I'm so sorry this email is so long, but I have very little self-control when it comes to storytelling. I once told my husband I wanted to write a book about this, but wasn't sure where to start. His genius ass was like, start at the beginning. So here we go. The beginning starts with my grandma, Mimi. Mimi was the middle child and second daughter to very poor homesteaders living in BFE, Montana. BFE is bumfucked Egypt. Not sure if everyone uses that term, but I'm saving Donna from having to potentially say the R word. Cough, rural, cough. Mimi's father was cruel, and my Mimi's youngest and oldest sister spoke openly about the abuse they endured, while my Mimi adamantly said she has not experienced the same abuse. However, as soon as she was able at 18 years old in the 1950s, she married a divorced and paralyzed 30-year-old man who had a 10-year-old son. They were undeniably in love. Her husband took hundreds of joyful pictures of Mamimi, and they were married for eight years before he died of complications of being paralyzed in August of 1958. Shortly after his death, Mamimi was visiting her sister, who had several children. Her sister pointed out to Mamimi that she believed Mamimi was pregnant. Mamimi had no children and, for various reasons, allegedly missed she was pregnant. My father was born in 1959. That same year, my Mimi met the man who became my papa and the only father my dad knew. 
My Mimi had been working for a newspaper when a young girl who was the niece of her coworker met Mimi and decided on the spot that Mimi needed to be her mom. My aunt still reminds us that she chose her mom and introduced Mimi to her father, my papa. Papa was a single father to four children, the youngest being about two years older than my infant father. His first wife went AWOL while he was working and straight up ditched their kids with my Mimi's co-worker and the co-worker being my papa's brother, Thomas. Supposedly, my Mimi had no knowledge of all the happenings of my papa and his family, which I find hard to believe. I grew up in BFE, Montana, and that's some honky-tonk bullshit if you're missing some small-town drama like that. Anyway, Mimi and Papa were married shortly after and combined their family for a sweet, lovely family of five. Papa was one of 14 children, 12 of whom survived to adulthood to have families of their own. When his mother was asked by a local radio station in the 80s why she had so many children, she said, no good sense, no birth control, and no self-control. She's my fucking hero. They were Irish Catholic and grew up in one of the roughest towns in Montana. They are the loudest, most loving people I know and do not think twice about accumulating non-blood-related family members. My father and I and my siblings never felt anything except for belonging into this adopted family of ours. Takes breath, stretches fingers, and begins again. Fast forwarding here. My papa died eight years ago and Mimi followed two years later. I quickly learned my amazing Mimi had one huge ass secret that she took to her death. I wish I could convey her personality over email, but I find that difficult. So I'll leave you with this. She once remained silent while my papa fell asleep driving and wrecked their car just to prove her point to him that she should not have been driving. This badass bitch was stubborn. God damn it. Who is that? Donna? That is some shit Donna fucking Elwin would do right there. Legit, I was like, and I would shrug my shoulders and say, I was right. <laughs> I swear to God, that is some shit Donna would do. Shit. For Father's Day a few years ago, I purchased my dad and myself Ancestry.com kit. He refused to take it in the true old conservative the government is out to get us fashion, so my mom did it and so did I. It was all cool until my dad's stepsister, the one who chose her mom, came back as my first cousin. My dad threw a fit about bullshit science, and we still don't talk about it. I understand why he is so upset, and also, as his youngest daughter, I'm naturally not going to let this mystery lie down without some genuine digging. As other members of my dad's step slash adopted family from my papa's side began to crop up, it meant a few things. One, my Mimi's first husband was not my dad's father. Two, my papa was not my dad's father. Three, one of papa's 11 siblings was my dad's father. After getting rid of the ones that were too young to make babies, girls, or were in different countries at the time, we narrowed it down to her co-worker, Thomas, who was married with two sons of his own at the time. Although I didn't know him well, when my father was a child, his family followed my Mimi and Papa's family in all of their moves and were even in business together. Ultimately, as a child myself and an adult, I truly knew nothing of this man. He passed away when I was in high school. You're going to have to sit down for this one because this is where it gets fucking weird. I discovered all of this three years after my first child was born. Thomas, my newly found grandfather, the firstborn and the first son of his family, was born October 8, 1915. My child, my first son, middle name Thomas, named after my husband's brother, was born October 8, 2015. 
100 years to the day after his great-grandfather. When I was newly pregnant with my son, it had taken us two years to get pregnant. I told my husband in my true intuitive nature that I felt a soul shortly before I found out I was pregnant and later wondered if it was my son's soul. I told my husband I kept thinking grandpa, my mother's dad, who I chose to refer as grandpa, but it was almost not familiar enough as I was close to my grandpa and he visited me after his death when I was five years old. The moment I saw the date of birth on my dad's blood father, I was fucking floored. Could his soul have come back or did it help my son get to us? I don't know, but it's something. Now here's some quick creepy shit my kids have said. First, I want to establish that I'm pretty intuitive. My husband thinks I have a gift I chose to ignore as he often feels spirits come to me who I promptly turn away with my exhausted mom of three emotionally capped out energy. As a child, my mom said I often spoke to no one there, which I don't remember, but I do remember being visited by my two great grandmas and my grandpa regularly. So I'm not new to the idea that A, we're not alone, and B, my kids might be riding my spirit boat as well. To help our baby sleep, we use electronic sound machines and have since switched to manual fans. Prior to switching, because I felt like we could hear voices on certain waves, white, pink, and blue noises are the worst, I put it on brown noise. Well, one night it got switched to white noise and I woke up to my toddler crying at 2 or 3 a.m. At this stage, for him, night terrors weren't uncommon, something both my mom and I have struggled with, so I went to him. He was up right in his bed staring at the sound machine. I was comforting him when disembodied voices came on the sound machine. I fucking whipped my head over there like I was about to nay-nay. It sounded like a busy family kitchen in the morning. Vague, muffled, joyful conversation and bustling around. I looked at my son and his eyes were so wide, just staring. He was not super verbal at that point, but I knew he heard it. He absolutely refused the machine in his room after that. A few years later... The same child happily comes into my bathroom while I'm enjoying a pee alone and says to me, Mom, last time I was with you, I died as a baby. Inside my head, I said, uh, say what, kid? Me. Oh, that's interesting. Tell me more. He shrugs and says, I don't know, and then runs off to leave me sitting on the toilet for five minutes wondering what in the actual fuck. When we first looked at our current home before purchasing, I became acutely aware of what I believe is a spirit of a young man stuck in our basement. There's one spot in particular that is heavy with sadness. I've told him he can go, but he's not allowed upstairs, and thus far he has seemed sad and harmless. I believe the spirit of his mother also comes and goes, but I will save that story for another excruciatingly long email. My youngest was born two years after we bought that house. When she was one or two, one of the words she used consistently was guy to describe a person, either a human or human-like figure. One day, we were downstairs and she screamed and jumped into my lap, right at that particularly heavy spot. She was just saying guy, guy, guy over and over again and then peeked over my shoulder and screamed and hid behind me again. I told her that she could tell him to leave her alone and that she was safe. A few months later... Her words had developed more, and she did the same thing except said, man, 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 and then stood her ground while holding my hand and yelled, no. She refuses to go to the basement alone, but has now moved on to telling us because of the ghost. A couple of months ago, we had an intuitive friend here who I told nothing about the basement ghost. I asked her to go to the basement and tell me what she thought was there. 
She goes, walks around, stops right where my daughter had seen him and says, it's so, so heavy and sad here. It's a man. He isn't bad. My mouth fell open. I mean, I knew all of this, but to be validated that others would know felt so validating. I've since found out that the previous and only other owner of the house had a young adult son who died by suicide. My arms are cramped. It's 1.30 a.m. and I could go on and on, but I'll spare you. Creep it real and don't get scared. All my love, Cheyenne Wild Rose Child. Well, I have really hard time following a family tree. So that was like a Plinko thing. Bing, bing, <laughs> bing, 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 bing. But very interesting. Man, shit comes out in those ancestry kits, right? For real. You can't have shit up in that. <laughs> and one question. Uh, is your laundry in the basement? I need to know. Well, I know since then you've moved to a new location. So at that house, was it in the basement though? And of course, kids drop a fucking bomb like I was with you before and then leave. And they're like, I don't know. And yeah. leave. Like, tell me more. Tell me more. Like, does he have a car? <laughs> right? Okay, the next one. Sinister sighting with a twist? Question mark. Hey, y'all. My name's Hannah. I had sent y'all an email, who knows how long ago, about skinwalkers. Now, as we all know, I am deathly scared of them. Any hoosers, I moved to a new house and my best friend moved in with me. One night when my mom was at my house about to take my son with her for the night, we kept hearing rustling around the house. I live in a very dense wooded area, but in town. The wrestling went on for three days in a row. My best friend and I were convinced it was a skinwalker stalking us. We didn't go outside after the sun went down. Well, I told my daddy and he brought his dog and my stepmama over to check things out while I was at work. They looked around and didn't find much and the dog didn't smell anything. They decided to pick up trash around the house. My stepmom picked up what she thought was a plastic wrapper when it was actually a used dick wrapper. Oh my god. She said she screamed, ew, and threw it as fast as she could. So fast forward to one sunny day, my mom, best friend, and I were walking the property and we find two more condoms. The skinwalkers that we had been hearing, well, they were just teenagers fucking outside my house. That's disgusting. I mean, at least they were using protection, but fuck that shit. Do not leave your shit. No, take it with you. Gross. Ew. People, okay, I get so uncomfortable with people having sex, like, near me. Girl, don't I know. Like, it it makes me uncomfortable. Like, don't do that there. She doesn't like you to even kiss around her. It's gotten better now that I have somebody. I was going to say, no, you just started doing it. But, like... Oh, it makes me so uncomfortable. If I spent the night at your house and I knew you were having sex in the room, like a couple of rooms over, I would be so uncomfortable. Now, has she had sex a few rooms away? Yes. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Well, it's the thrill for me. It's very uncomfortable when it's somebody else. That girl is so wacky. Oh, it makes me so uncomfortable. When her and Colby were together at first, I said, oh, you just wait, girl. You just wait. She never wants any PDA, but then she was all over Colby. I can't help it. He's so great. Uh-huh. Going back to the condoms, though, I would fucking gag. <laughs> For real. If I picked up a you like, I don't know them use, if I picked up one that, like, I knew them use condom, disgusting. I was but a gag. rando... Yeah, that? No. <laughs> All right, the next one. Hey, guys, I'm Rose, and I'm 15 from California. 
And before getting into this nightmare story, I just want to say that I listen to you guys every night because I'm a weirdo and paranormal and true crime stories help me sleep. Love you guys. Also, this story is a little long. Anyway, this story is about how I thought and still think that someone was in my room watching me sleep. It all started back in May 2020 when quarantine was still fairly new and FaceTime was a big thing for kids my age. I was on a FaceTime call with my best friend Alex at around 1 a.m. and I fell asleep without even noticing, but Alex was still on the phone with me. I woke up around 5 a.m., still don't know why, just to see that Alex texted me multiple times an hour after I fell asleep. All the messages said, wake up, someone's in your room, or your door keeps opening and closing. I thought nothing of it because me and Alex joke around like that, or maybe because it was 5 a.m. and I fell back asleep almost immediately after reading the messages. I never took it seriously until I was on FaceTime with my other friend, Lupita, around the same time, and I fell asleep again, only to wake up to a text saying, I think someone's in your room. That's when my heart dropped. I called Lupita and asked her to tell me everything. She told me that she heard my door open and heavy footsteps near my bed. I wanted to crumble up and die right there. Who could it be? Who would want to watch me sleep? My room is the only room upstairs, not to mention it's only me and my mom, and she's an extra small pizza whose footsteps are like mice. Since my stairs are loud as hell, I asked Lupita if she heard any footsteps coming up the stairs, and she said no, but maybe she just couldn't hear because the distance of my room from the stairs. I was 14 and couldn't tell my mom because she would think I'm crazy, so every night I would be on a call slash FaceTime with my friends so they could be on Rose duty. That's what we called it. It stopped for three months until it happened again in August. That's when I started not sleeping in fear and becoming so paranoid that I slept in my mom's room every night. Fast forward three more months and thank God me and my mom moved out into an apartment where our rooms were right next to each other. So if someone was to come in my room, she would know for sure. Since we moved out of that hell house, I've been sleeping a lot better, but still paranoid. Anyway, sorry for the super long story, but I just want to say again, I love you guys and thank you for making my day with your podcast. Okay, well, if you're weird for falling asleep to us, then um, we're hella weird because one, we create this and two, I fall asleep to the same shit. So it's fine. (laughs) You found your friends. That's right. I mean, you have good friends who FaceTime you in the middle of the night because I would not be one of those (laughs) friends. I would go tell your mama because I ain't staying up FaceTiming you. Donna would. Donna would be that friend that hung Mm -hmm. with you. I would be like, I got to go to sleep. (laughs) Was it a ghost? That's what I'm thinking. Had to be. If they didn't hear the footsteps coming up. Yeah. And the door was just like open and closed, but they never really saw anybody. Right. Had to be. Maybe it was just checking on you. Okay. The last one. The title is, I'm not sure what this is, and I'm sorry. Hello, beautiful ladies. This is my second time writing in, and before we begin with my moderately spoopy story, a tidbit. I was listening to an older episode and damn near shot myself when Carrie started telling the story of the Ryan Widmere bathtub mystery. I hope I'm saying his last name correctly. Because my best friend lived in that same neighborhood as the Widmeres when the mystery unfolded. It was episode 171, and as a refresher, Ryan was accused and convicted of drowning his wife Sarah in their bathtub at their home. I clearly remember riding our bikes past the house for the spook, and every time stopping to try to look for a ghost. Because, kid logic, when a murder happens in a house, it is immediately then haunted. Obviously. Oh, I remember, because that's the one that Donna said she would be the cheating, uh 
fucking jury member who tried out drying in her bathtub. Yes. She stands by it. I still want to punch her for it. It's fine. <laughs> I stand by that 100%. I wouldn't have to say, hey, I tried this. We're going to go through this whole thing again. <laughs> but I wouldn't say anything. But for my own peace of mind, I would try it. She said, we're going to go through this whole thing again. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, but back to this before I go on a rant. As you can imagine, the incident was the talk of our tiny town, and Ryan's innocence was highly debated, but most fell on the conclusion that he was guilty as fuck. Now for whatever this story is. In July of 2018, I started renting my first apartment. The house was built in 1901 and was converted into a four-unit apartment building in the 1980s. If the Haunted Mansion met a castle, this house would be their love child. The building itself was Victorianish and made of Italian limestone, and despite needing some TLC, I fell in love with my tiny apartment on the top floor of this mansion, and it felt like home. Much cleaning needed to happen before I could start on the process of moving all my shit up three flights of stairs. We cleaned for a week and found some questionable things, such as a goddamn double-sided dildo on the top of my kitchen cabinets. I digress. As the youngest of the family, my mom was both excited and sad to see her last offspring leave the nest, so she wanted to document the freshly clean, dildo-less empty apartment. She got out her tiny iPod touch and began taking a video of her walking through. Taking some extra time to show the bedroom and the balcony that looked like it came straight out of Rapunzel. She was satisfied with her videography and we finished our business for the day and packed up. One day after I moved, my mom was showing a friend the video tour of the apartment with the volume up and when they got to the part that showed the bedroom, my mom heard something in the video that she didn't hear when she was taking it. She had me listen to the video before she told me what she thought she heard and gosh darn it, it was a typewriter. We both heard the distinct ticks of the typewriter just ticking away for a solid 40 seconds of this video. I think it stopped when she went out on the balcony, never to be heard again. It was loud enough in the video that we surely would have heard it when we were there that day. I have a typewriter from my grandfather and the similarities in the sound are uncanny to what we heard in that video. My mom and I are spooky gals, so we did some research on the house and found out that a prominent judge lived in the house previously and wrote a few books on his craft of being a judge or whatever in the olden times. Are we crazy or is this coincidental? I don't know, but for the benefit of the story, we like to say we call it a ghostwriter. <laughs> Thanks for reading my probably incohesive story. And also, I wanted to say a huge thank you to both of you ladies and all you do. You guys have kept me sane over the past week as I was dealing with a psycho neighbor. I couldn't leave my apartment without being called a cunt and being told to go to hell due to the fact that said psycho threatened to put antifreeze out in the shared yard to poison unwanted animals. And when I expressed my concerns to the landlord, World War III broke out at my homestead. Y'all gave me the confidence to live my life the best I could during this fucked up time. I would put on my noise-canceling headphones and turn up your podcast all the way to drown out the obscenities that were shouted at me when I had to venture outside. You guys kept me company so it was easier to ignore the hateful comments made in my direction. Some serious fear that neighbor type shit. 
So thank you for the comfort you ladies gave me during the longest week ever and every other day. So much love, H. Um, fuck that neighbor. Uh-huh. That's a porno version. Touche. <laughs> also, that show, Fear Thy Neighbor, though, I, like, it's a good show, but I hate that show because mm-hmm. it gives me so much anxiety. Yeah, Like, it's too real. Like, yes. I mean, I know they're all real because, hello, but it's like, that show, I, I can't, that's one that I cannot watch. It's too, it's too real. Yes. Uh, yeah, your grandpa was up in that. Okay, so you think it was the grandpa, not the judge that used to live there and wrote stories. Yeah, because she had the grand, she had the grandpa's typewriter. Mm. I think he's like being like, I like this. Like, ding, that <laughs> it looks really nice. Ding, good job cleaning up the dildo. Ding. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Also, quit showing her apartment to everyone. Ding. <laughs> I think about that. My first apartment I had in Houston, like, had I posted all these pictures because it was my first apartment. Period. Much less in a fucking city and so i was like had all these pictures i posted on facebook like you could have stalked me and walked straight through my apartment and known (laughs) okay this is where this is okay watch out for this yeah that's just dangerous don't be posting your houses i know but i do love a walkthrough of a house same same (laughs) because i got to know what you got i know but like it's so dangerous it is but also a video it'll flip it around and stuff so I have no sense of direction, so I'd be like, wait, I thought this was over here. Yeah, 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 but you're the exception, not the rule. (laughs) Most people aren't directionally challenged like we are. (laughs) And get freaking cameras, everybody. Ooh, for my Ring doorbell. It's not Ring. I do that all the time. It's that Nest cam or whatever. But for Christmas, I have a Christmas song playing when you ring the doorbell. Oh, that's cool. How often does your doorbell ring? Uh, well, right now, Missy, it's been quite a few times. Oh, okay. Because the people who deliver stuff. They ring it. They don't ring mine. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, but not usually. You see how she's throwing shade at me? Well, I mean, we just don't have people come visit us very often. But yeah, they'll they'll ring it. And every time my heart goes, <gasps> uh, Yes, it's so scary when someone <laughs> comes over to your house. You're like, who is it? Yeah, well, and also, because I usually don't have a brassiere on. I know, uh, my friend Maddie texted me the other morning and she's like, don't freak out, I'm in your yard because her kids love my Christmas decorations. I was like, well, I'd come out and say hey to you, but I'm in a moo and no bra, so <laughs> have fun. <laughs> oh, gosh. And those moo-moos are short. She showed me her Christmas cookie earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Thank y'all so much for sending your stories. Keep them coming, aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared.